Hi, I'm your host, Charlene Burns, a researcher with the ProLegis policy team. Welcome to The Congressional Record, a podcast by ProLegis. Each week, we bring you a deep dive into Congress's policy priorities. In this podcast, we'll cover the processes unique to the first branch of government and discuss some of the pressing policy issues legislators are working on. This week, we bring you an episode on drug pricing reform. Drug prices have continued to rise and become a concern for the American public. In the past couple of years, there have been stories of people who have skipped prescriptions in order to save money. A report found that 13% of adults prescribed a diabetes medication, skipped dosages, took lower dosages, or delayed filling a prescription due to the cost of insulin and other medications. Policymakers have responded to these concerns at both the state and federal levels, with proposals from both sides of the aisle. This month, Democratic senators released legislative text on prescription drug pricing reforms that they intend to include in a revived reconciliation package. ProLegis is a new policy technology company founded by former congressional staffers and startup alums. We have one mission, to offer free tools that make it easier to learn about, track, and deepen your understanding of policy issues and legislation. We offer free features such as U.S. code redlining and a personalizable dashboard to track the legislation and congressional activity that matters to you. We also offer nonpartisan, unbiased information through our briefings and podcasts. Sign up for a free account today to get full access to the suite of policy tools on ProLegis.com. The United States spends more on prescription drug prices per capita than most other countries. According to the Government Accountability Office, U.S. retail drug prices are two to four times higher than prices in Australia, Canada, and France. There are a variety of government and market factors that contribute to the increasing prices, including price regulation, exclusivity, and competition. One of the reasons drug prices are high is that drug development is extremely costly and slow, and there is a high degree of uncertainty that a successful drug will be developed. Drug development takes an average of 10 to 20 years, and 90% of drug projects fail. As a result, the federal government provides patent protection to incentivize drug development, meaning that companies have the exclusive right to sell their drug and block competition during the life of their patent. Pharmaceutical companies argue these protections are necessary to encourage drug development, but critics say that certain processes have been abused by companies to reduce competition and keep prices higher. High prices are a major concern for the American public. A couple surveys found that 83% of adults say that the cost of prescription drugs is unreasonable and 87% of adults support the federal government taking action to lower prescription drug prices. With public opinion in favor of reforms, policymakers have been working on legislation for several years. In the 116th, Congress prioritized legislation to address rising drug prices, but was unable to find a bipartisan solution that could gain traction in both chambers. The House passed the Elijah E. Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act, while the Senate Finance Committee approved the Prescription Drug Pricing Reduction Act, 
but neither were able to garner sufficient support in the Senate for approval. In the 117th, Democrats sought to leverage their narrow majorities in both chambers to pass drug pricing reforms in the reconciliation legislation that was being considered last year. In addition to drug pricing reforms, the reconciliation legislation, known as the Build Back Better Act, would have included new clean energy tax credits, expanded health care, and increased taxes on corporations and high earners. The Build Back Better Act stalled in September of last year over disagreements among Democratic senators, particularly with moderate senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Senate Democratic leadership have been in negotiations for months to try and revive the legislation and pass the bill this year. To kick off the latest version of this bill, Democrats released a new drug pricing reform proposal this month. After the break, we'll talk about the drug pricing provisions in the Build Back Better Act and the latest proposal from Senate Democrats. Working on Capitol Hill can be overwhelming between hundreds of daily emails, labyrinthian passageways, and navigating the legislative process. To help orient yourself to the Hill, as well as get useful tools for professional development, check out Prolegis' How to Staffer. The How to Staffer hub has information and guides for professionals looking to get an edge on the Hill. Sign up for a free Prolegis account to get access to the How to Staffer hub today. Among other safety net provisions, drug pricing reform proposals were included in the Build Back Better Act. The proposal in the original Build Back Better Act would have provided Medicare the authority to negotiate certain drug prices with pharmaceutical companies, using prices in other economically advanced countries as benchmarks. The bill would have imposed rebates on drug manufacturers who increased their prescription drug prices over the rate of inflation. The savings produced from the implementation of those provisions were intended to go towards offsetting the costs of other provisions in the reconciliation legislation, such as the expansion of Medicare benefits. Although the overall package was proposed by the Democratic Party, moderate Democrats dissented and pushed back against the drug pricing reforms. On September 15th, the House Energy and Commerce Committee was unable to approve the subtitle with a tied vote of 29 to 29. A handful of moderate dissenting members argued instead for a bipartisan approach which would find, quote, a balance between innovation and affordability. In the Senate, Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema wanted to pare down the size and cost of the overall package to $1.75 trillion. Senator Sinema told the White House she opposed the included drug pricing reforms and instead wanted a much more narrow proposal. Senator Manchin opposed paid family leave and climate change provisions, and although he urged the House to pass the bill, he himself did not endorse the text. Ultimately, the Build Back Better Act was blocked from being voted on in the Senate. After the Build Back Better Act was paused, Democratic Representatives Scott Peters and Kurt Schrader introduced the Reduced Costs and Continued Cures Act. The bill is a scaled-back alternative to the drug pricing provisions in the Build Back Better Act. While the bill has the potential to reduce expenditures, it has not received substantial support from patient advocates seeking drug pricing reform. Momentum on drug pricing negotiations slowed for many months, but on July 6th, 
Democratic senators released official drug pricing reform text. The text was delivered to the Senate parliamentarian, who will review for provisions that don't comply with the Senate Byrd rule and therefore cannot be included in the budget reconciliation legislation. The Congressional Budget Office recently released an estimate of the savings that the proposal would create and found that the bill could potentially reduce the deficit by $287 billion through 2031. According to the Congressional Budget Office, the proposal would lower federal health care costs as well as premiums and out-of-pocket costs for seniors. Additionally, the office estimated that the legislation could slightly lower the number of new drugs introduced in the U.S. market by 0.76% over the next 30 years. The specifics of the bill would allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices with manufacturers, impose inflation rebates, overhaul Medicare Part D, repeal the prescription drug rebate rule, and broadly expand eligibility and access to care for low-income adults. First, the proposal would establish a drug price negotiation program at the Department of Health and Human Services. The program would allow Medicare price negotiation procedures to begin next year, with newly negotiated prices going into effect in 2026. In 2026, 10 drugs would be identified by the new program for negotiation, and that number would increase to 15 in 2027. In 2029 and every year after that, the number of drugs eligible for negotiation would increase by 20. The drugs selected for negotiation would be chosen based on total spending under Medicare Parts B and D. The legislation does include carve-outs for biotech drugs from 2026 to 2028, specific vaccines, and certain orphan drugs. Notably, the bill text doesn't specify any price negotiations for insulin. The proposal also includes provisions that place caps on drug price inflation. Beginning in October, drug manufacturers for single-source drugs and biologics would face caps on Medicare Part B and D rebates if they raise their drug prices faster than the rate of inflation. The proposal would also overhaul the Medicare Part D benefit by capping the annual premium growth rate at 6% and annual out-of-pocket costs at $2,000. Finally, the proposal would repeal the Trump-era anti-kickback rule, which eliminated rebates paid by pharmaceutical companies to pharmacy benefit managers in Medicare Part D. The pharmaceutical industry has negatively reacted to the released drug pricing reform text. In a blog post, Pharma criticized the new provisions saying that they are even more harmful to pharmaceutical companies than what was included in the previous September 2021 proposal. Additionally, the group reiterated its concerns that innovation could be thwarted and patient cost protections weakened via proposed government price-setting policies. The Biotechnology Innovation Organization echoed these concerns, identifying the negotiation policies as, quote, government takeover. On the opposing side of the issue, healthcare advocacy group Families USA has said that it's of the utmost importance that Democrats push the provisions through. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said that he hopes to pass these provisions by the end of July through the budget reconciliation process. That's all for this episode of The Congressional Record. 
Thanks for listening, and don't forget to sign up for your free Prolegis account if you haven't already. You can go to prolegis.com, that's P-R-O-L-E-G-I-S.com, to find additional show notes and sources for each of our episodes. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Our handles are in the episode notes as well. Finally, I want to give special thanks to Keishal Patel for researching this episode. I also want to thank Amelia Schuster, Jason Lemons, and Greg Nunziata for their editorial help. We'll see you next week on The Congressional Record.